0: Hi, friends. I'm so excited to introduce you to my next guest, Ronnie. Ronnie and I are connected through my husband, and Ronnie is my husband's cousin's wife. And I remember the first time I met her. I remember a bunch of us girls gathered around the island in the kitchen at my mother-in-law's house and Ronnie telling story after story. I remember laughing a lot, being mesmerized at how she basically furnished and decorated an entire nursery for a friend to next for next to nothing, and I remember her vibrant energy. It's been many years since I've seen her, but we recently reconnected at a celebration of life and once again I was reminded of why I love her so much. She's so full of love and light. So today Ronnie and I are going to talk all about family. We're going to dive into the highs and the lows, the celebrations, And the challenges, and talk about how they all play an important role in who we are. Hey, Ronnie, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. That was
1: such a beautiful introduction. That was so sweet. Those are such kind words to say about somebody. That's lovely. Oh,
0: like it's all like from the heart. I like your first our first meeting. I'm just like just mesmerized because I can talk a lot. And I was like, just quiet. And just it was so lovely. And it the energy was so great. And the story after story you told. And I was like, so let up. So it's been so many years. So it was so good to yeah. see you again. I'm like, yeah, it's the, the same thing. So
1: <laughs> Oh, thank you. thank you. But it goes both ways. I was, you were just so warm. I just remember that too. Like you were just you were so warm
0: and sunny and bright.
1: And it was just like, Oh, this she's gonna do so good in this family
0: (laughs) oh I love it (laughs) well thank you thank you all the love to you (laughs) so I want to start here so since we're going to talk about family today let's start at the beginning so what who was included in your family growing up and what was your upbringing um like oh yeah so I have a big family I have three older
1: sisters and a younger brother Um, So I was uh, not the preferred gender. (laughs) I was a stepping stone to get to my little brother, but uh, nevertheless, I was loved, very, very loved, um, especially by my older siblings. So um, yeah, my mom, my dad, they're still in good health. They're great, they're fantastic. They live in Richmond. Um, My older sister, Pam, is, um, I don't even know how to explain what impact she has on my life because she's just amazing. Um, she, she is everything that a parent would want and everything that a sibling could ask for in an older sister. Um, she is so considerate and thoughtful and hardworking. Um, she studies everything. She never just gives you a blanket answer. Like she will have researched and she will have looked and poured her heart and soul into making sure that the answer that she gives you has like substance behind it. Um, And she's a teacher, but she's also a counselor, like a a, a therapist, a counselor by nature. Mm. Um, But she's been teaching forever and she's just amazing. And she's got two young children, not young, actually 16 and 14, the 16 year old's driving now. So that's pretty awesome. Pretty scary for everybody. Um, uh, my sister, my second sister Ram, we call her our um, MacGyver and our Mr. Gadget because she can do everything. Um, She is always prepared. She's so generous, Um, generous with everything her time, her personality, like everything that she brings to the table. She's so generous and you have never met a harder working individual than my sister Ram. And uh, she's married. She lives on the island. She's got two young children um they are young there's uh they're 12 and uh Sonim's 12 and avani has just turned nine on christmas eve um and they're just truly amazing kids and um and my sister she's just she has so much on her plate but she will never let anybody see the struggles that she goes through and she's just so admirable for that um My third sister is the life of the party, so if you think I can talk, you haven't met my sister. My sister Maddie, my third sister, she is such an example of perseverance. Um, She will always wear a smile, and I can't tell you how beautiful her smile is. Um, She's going back to school, and she's studying, and she's got a a teenager's daughter and a 13-year-old son. Um, She just is always on the go and the move, and she will host everything to such a talent like she she will have like her wine and her cheese and her charcuterie boards and baked brie and she'll just host and just be so merry if people are eating and surrounded by love and happiness and joy with her and that's who she is she is love happiness joy all those things and then um then that's me then there comes me (laughs) and I think I'm very influenced by all three of them because they played such a big role in my life And then I have my younger brother and um, my younger brother is probably the most loyalist person you're ever going to meet. He's very reserved. He's very quiet. He's exactly the opposite of us four girls. Um, But he brings so much more to the table than he gives himself credit for. Um, And he's just he's a really good soul, but he just uh, he needs to find that spark in him, I think. And I just I really can't wait for him to find that spark.
0: Mm, okay, That's like how how beautiful <laughs> to be surrounded by such diversity within your own family. Yeah. But I want to go back to this one thing that you said. You said in your family, like male was the preferred gender. So can you kind of take us yeah. into that a little bit? And <laughs> give us the back. 100%. On that?
1: Yeah, it was. It was definitely the preferred uh gender. We, I come from a community, a culture that really does still to this day prefer men over women. My dad will tell you completely different now because he sees the value that women bring to the table. Um, and it's taken a long time. My dad's 75 years. And I think maybe in the last 10 years, he's kind of really sort of said, okay, you know what? My girls are very valuable and important to us. But um, culturally speaking, yeah, we just, uh, we knew that when we got married our roles and our responsibilities and our obligations and loyalty would go towards our husband's side of the family and so my parents also in their point of view were just like well our daughters are really just on loan from for us they're on loan for us for this period of time until they get married in which time they belong to their husband's family and my brother will always belong to his family which is my mom and my dad so hence the reason why it was the preferred event the preferred gender right it's the they're always going to have their son with them, but we have our own families and we have our own husbands and their families, which are are now our families.
0: Oh, and that seems so opposite to, I guess, for like myself growing up, it always seemed that the girls always stuck close by with their family. It was like the girl you're connected, you get the connection to like more access maybe to the grandkids and the girls always come home and need their family and need their mom. So it's so interesting how in our different cultures, it's kind of reversed. So yeah. did you kind of feel that growing up and yeah. Yeah, yes. okay. yeah. Yeah.
1: We, we really did feel it. I remember hearing stories at a young age when somebody said that when um my sister, my third sister, and myself were born, was it almost like, was like a somber event? There was no joy in the house because they were just like, oh, we thought this one was gonna be a boy. And when it's not, they're disappointed. And then you're just like, oh, we really wished it to be a boy. Um, So you did. we really did feel it growing up. We saw the differences between how we were all treated. Um, But now also too, when I think about it in retrospect, each one of us was treated a little bit differently. I think my parents really did sort of cater their um, disciplining um, and their actions based on a, a lot of our personality traits, but also too, how much energy they had at the time to discipline us so my oldest sister the one that's my amazing older sister Pam, uh, almost like a second mother to me um she got the brunt of everything because she was the oldest and they still had energy to discipline her whereas with my brother and i they really lost steam <laughs> they're just like sorry guys we're out we're tapping out these two are just too much too much um but we did see it you saw it not just in our family but like in all of the families around us all of our like a lot of our siblings our cousins um you know we had cousins overseas in in England we saw a lot of that there too like it was very very in your face all the time the boys will do this and the girls will do this and it was very black and white no deviation from it and whenever we did see that rare family where they really valued their daughters and their women we were just like what? <laughs> Whoa, this, this is different. <laughs> um, but it's changing now. It's yes. changing, all changing. And uh, I'm really excited about the growth in the community. And I'm really excited about my individual family and how we value women now and how it's changed so much in the last like 10 to 15 years. I would say, is where I've seen the most amount of growth from my parents, um, from my, my cousins, my siblings. Um, Nobody says anything about the gendered baby anymore. It's always, let's just have a healthy baby. And it's always just excitement over just a a healthy baby. That is all anybody ever wants.
0: Mm, Yes, absolutely. That just gives me goosebumps hearing you say that, Mm -hmm. how there is, there's starting to be that, that shift. So when you were growing up and that was kind of like the role you knew you were going to take, like, okay, I'm just borrowed and then I'll belong to my husband's family were you still a dreamer as a little girl or did you think your dreams were too far of reach or like how did that affect you like growing up and thinking about your future
1: yeah um you know what it's it's really funny that you say that I, I don't really my only real dream was to be a mom and it fit in either way, right? So whether I had done what my parents had wanted me to do and go be, you know, somebody's wife, whatever, it still fit within that mold. Like my dream of being a mom was still going to be achieved that way. Um, So I didn't really see it to be as a a rebellious thing, right? But I definitely did have a very rebellious nature to me growing up in my adolescence and my teenage years. Um, I did everything and anything to get under my parents' skin just Just to do it, just because I wanted to do it, and I look back at that time and I think, oh my gosh, like, did I? I didn't even like short hair, but I just did it because I knew it would get them mad. And I, (laughs) I didn't even like having long nails, but I did it to get them mad. And there were just little things like that that I would do just to get under their skin. Um, And so, like, when I think about the whole dreaming, and I think about like, oh, you know, what did I ever want to be? My my biggest dream was to be a mom, and my mom would always say, make sure you get married first. Don't, don't do it out of order. Like there's an order to be followed here. You get married first and then you have your kids don't do it any other way. Um, so I mean, I follow that rule. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely. I didn't, I didn't have big wild dreams. I didn't have like this huge life. I just, I just really wanted to be
0: a mom. Wow. That's so beautiful. And where did that come from? Was it just like who you are inside? Was there something that you can think back to that?
1: Yeah. You know, I've always, I've always loved children. I've always loved children. Um, there is one moment that just really sticks in my head. Um, there was a little girl that we used to babysit. That was our next, door neighbor. Her little, her name was Jamie girl, Jamie, but we used to call her Jamie girl. And she was the cutest blonde hair, big blue, wise little girl you've ever met your whole entire life. And we babysat her from six months until I think she was about seven years old before they moved away. And um, I remember one time there was a little hole in the fence and she just kind of ducked through the hole to come over to the house to play because that's what she wanted to do. And her house was, she was only child and their house was this full of kids at our house. So she was always just coming over and playing and um, a great Dane and his owner had walked by and this 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 man used to always let his great Dane just like walk without the leash on. So Jamie is a small little thing, petite little thing. And this great date comes rushing towards her and topples her over. And so she's just a mess. And we see this happening through the window of our, of our house. So we run downstairs, I go to grab her and I go to hug her and she just wants her mom. So I take her back to Mrs. Pender's house, um, uh, Jamie's mom. And uh, Jamie's mom gave her this hug. Ms. Pender gave her this hug. And it was the safety that Jamie felt in the arms of her mother that really clicked to me that I wanted to be that for somebody. And that just really stuck with me.
0: Mm, what a beautiful moment that like makes me emotional thinking like <laughs> oh, that, that as a mom, like obviously, you know, that it's like when you have children, I don't know. It's like, there is nothing more important, like nothing that you could love more than your children and yeah. the way that they love you back. And, Oh, it's just like, Oh, so beautiful moment. Okay. It's so
1: out of this world, right? Like there's, there's nothing, there's no way I could explain to somebody how much a small little being occupy so much of
0: your heart and soul. Like there's no way to explain that. Mm-hmm. It is indescribable. Like, how do yeah. you put that into words? It's like that, that yeah. feeling that the essence, all of it is just, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So from that moment, you just love children growing up and you mm-hmm. did follow the order. You did get married first, <laughs> but here's the thing you, you know, were not, you're, you you did not marry another Indian. Yeah man. So when your parents gave you away, it wasn't in the way that they had initially thought of as you grew up, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I knew the rules, right They're, My parents were very clear about the rules. Uh, and it was just really you there is there was a structure to follow, you got married, you they weren't so against you choosing who you wanted to choose, as long as it fits their criteria. So Matt did not fit that criteria, (laughs) far from it, Um, at the time, at the time. And I say at the time because they've changed their views since then, and Matt is one of their favorite son-in-laws. And so at the time, no, they were very strict upon uh, not marrying outside of the culture, the race, the religion. And I can see some of the reasons that they have now. In, in like hindsight, I could see some of those those um, those concerns that they would have thought that would would come up because they are coming up. 100% they're coming up. Matt and I are completely different people raised two completely different ways. Um, me really faith-based and me really family-based and just really there's a lot of things that I was raised with and there was a lot of differences that Matt was raised with and we are really starting to really have those conversations of how are we going to mesh these two when they're so different Um, but these were all things that my parents were very concerned about when you date and you marry outside of your race and your community and your culture Um, and so I at the time, I didn't see it because I was just blindly in love with Matt. And I was just like, you know, I, I we could conquer the world. We could do anything we want. We're young. We're in love. This is our future, right? So I did make that decision and said, said, like, you know, I'm I'm not going to follow this particular like this path that you have designed for me. And I'm going to choose this path, um, despite the harder path that it might be. Um, And I'm very glad I did it. And I think my parents are also very glad that I did it because they see the connection that Matt and I have. It took us a long time to get here again, but they see that nobody would have been better suited to me than Matt. And so Mm -hmm. I think that they're just like, you know, regardless of the color, regardless of the, you know, the religion, the anything like that, regardless of all that, we're very well suited for each other. And I think they've come to terms with that and they see that. And now they're just like, okay, you know what? With my brother and everything like that they're just like marry whoever is well suited for you regardless of everything else so um but no at the time it was a, a a big struggle and uh it wasn't taken upon very kindly with my family and my extended family um and so yeah there was it was a smaller wedding than what would have been. Um, They didn't come to the wedding. Uh, Either one, we did an Indian wedding and a white wedding. Um, And I know for sure with my sisters and my family, that's a big regret, Uh, but I don't like looking in the past too much. So we're celebrating our 15 years in 2023. So I said, you know what? This would be a great opportunity for us to come together and just celebrate that milestone. Instead of saying you weren't at the original wedding 15 years ago, we could say, Here's to 15 and here's to the 15 more like to come in the future. So
0: oh, and how incredible that, you know, as we go through life and experience things and gain more wisdom and knowledge and perspective, that we can forgive and move forward because we're all human. We're not perfect. I mean, and when you can give somebody that forgiveness so that you can move forward together. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just so, so lovely for your family to to be able to connect and move forward. So how did you and Matt meet initially? I want to hear the story. I don't know, how did this uh, Indian girl fall in love with this, this white boy that she was not supposed to marry? Like, what was it? And I know I see you together and I love your connection. And I feel like now your parents looking back can see, of course, wouldn't you want your daughter or your son to marry someone who really is really connected and loving and you can feel that. So I love that it's to that point now. But how did you guys meet in the beginning? What was your story?
1: Yeah, so um, we used to work together at Banana Republic. So we we had differences of opinions on how this happened. But um, we used to work together at Banana Republic and I was a visual specialist. So I did all the mannequins, their icons and all that great stuff. And I was also on this, the floor too. I was selling and, you know, fitting rooms, cashier, all that stuff. And Matt was originally hired for seasonal staff and all the girls had a crush on him. Uh, So many girls that were working there had a crush on him. And, uh, like he just looked like this surfer guy and he had a little bit longer hair and he was tan, and he was working out back then too. So he was, he was looking quite, quite nice. And, um, Anyway, so we had this meeting with the, or the the managers and whatnot, and we were trying to figure out who we were going to keep out of the seasonal staff. And I was like two hands up for Matt. I was like, let's keep him. I think we need to. I think I need his muscles from like my mannequins. And they're 50 pounds. They're pretty heavy. And they were planning on keeping him anyways because he was pretty good at doing sales. But I, I think I pushed that over a little bit because, of, and everybody knew too. They were always just like, oh, Matt and Ronnie, because they all knew that I had a crush on him except for him. He was the oblivious guy that had no idea that this girl had this big crush on him for so many years. Um, But we developed a really great friendship. And um, then he went to Australia for a year. And when he was midway through his trip in Australia, this was in 2004, 2003, he came back in 2004. um, He just called me from Surfers Paradise. And he said, Hey, you know what, when we come back, when I come back from this trip, I really want to date you and it was, it took me just completely by surprise. Um, there was a little bit of flirtatiousness there. And like, you know, we went to, to a hockey game before he left for Australia, but I didn't know how he truly felt about me. And, and I was very apparent and very obvious that I liked him. Um, so I said, just come back from Australia. We'll see what happens. And, uh, he surprised me, um, when he came back early, a month early. And, um, that was October 17, 2004. And we been together ever since then
0: yeah wow oh my gosh so coming up 15 years 15 years married
1: 20 years almost together that goes 19 years together since October 17 2004 but 15 years will be married next year
0: oh my gosh how incredible so you (laughs) did like um yeah almost 20 years together so I love how like just coming back to this, how you two really connected, even through all of the maybe concerns of family that Mm -hmm. it's how many years later and you're, you're still happy. And so you got together, you broke the rules, you married this man that you absolutely love. And then you've always wanted to be a mother ever since you were young, you had that, that's was one of your dreams just to be a mother. So I know your story, a little bit of Uh your story, not the full thing, but getting into motherhood wasn't as I I don't, it's not the word easy, but didn't come without many challenges and ups and downs and highs and lows. So do you want to take us, walk us through your story into, to motherhood?
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's not a story for the faint of heart. That's for sure. Um, So, you know, I'll start by saying this, always trust your gut. There's something about women's intuition that I feel like is so minimized. Like it's not, it's not truly given its true credit. I knew back in 2009, 2010, that there was something that was going to be complicated about us trying to have our family. I just knew it. And so I said to Matt, I'm like, you know what? I just, I just want to rule it out to make sure. So I went to the doctor and I said, Hey, I, you know what? We've been trying and I fibbed. Oh, I'm using air quotes. I don't know if we're going (laughs) to, so I fibbed. I did. I said that um, we've been trying for years and nothing has happened. So right away they did some tests on both of us and they saw right away, there was a few markers and they said, no, you guys are most likely not going to be able to conceive naturally. It was very black and white and for that I'm actually quite thankful for because we didn't have to go through all of those years and all of those different sort of ways to medicate and do this and do that we knew right away that it was not going to be the same way that it most people typically conceive so um, we we did a few operations and surgeries and that did not yield successful Um, but that did that did take up about two years between the operations and the surgeries and then finding out the results of those operations and surgeries. So um, like there was a six month timeline gap between both operations and then finding out whether or not they were successful. Um, so then we referred to um, the Pacific Center for Reproduction Medicine in Burnaby's PCRM. And um, I will honestly say for such a difficult journey, um that particular center made it so much more pleasant. And and that goes to say that it is a very difficult and challenging process for anybody who's gone through the process of IVF. It's very difficult and challenging. But when you have a really good support system around you and you have these doctors and these nurses that are so invested in the outcome almost as much as you are, you really feel like you're you can get through any of these challenges like any of these like you, yeah it's medically explained we can figure this out together as a team and that's who they all are at that center and this is not a paid advertisement at all like they did not pay me to say any of this I truly 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 believe that this particular clinic and center they are a team and they try to really achieve those results for you. Um so in 2013 was our first round of IVF and we were successful and we had twins and um we lost them We lost them in six months On July twenty fifth. 2013. My body failed me. I delivered Chloe and Carter. They were so tiny. They were like less than a pound each. But like they were perfect. They were so perfect. But there's a sound. There was a sound that was missing. And that sound was that that newborn shrill baby cry. When you deliver children or you deliver a baby and there's no sound, it's deafening. Absolutely deafening. And you'll remember that sound, that silence, you'll remember it so thick in your memory forever. Everything else fades, like what they look like, and you know, all that stuff. That that memory sort of fades, but that sound that that feeling of release and delivering that baby, and then just the nurses going and taking it away, and just that silence where there should be something else. Um, that was the darkest, darkest time. But through that darkness, um, all all of the issues that we had with my family and not really accepting our relationship and, um, just those, those, that, that, that distance that we all had, it brought everybody back and everybody just kind of really clung together to get through such a tragedy. And we just, just having being enveloped with all these people that were out of my life for about 10 years, um, And just being embraced by all of them and just being able to really sort of see um that there was a way out of this and that there was still hope for more opportunities to go through and 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 come up with a healthy baby and have a family I was I was it took me a long time to recover from that um and I I can say that I'm not fully recovered clearly as I'm having trouble recollecting everything but um it took me a long time to get past the sadness um of such a loss of hope like they would be nine years old and they would be playing with my niece and things would be so different um but then I also think that I wouldn't have my Connor and my Harper right and and they mean the world to me too but um yeah, it's just there is always that something is missing, and I truly, truly think that they're they're watching over us, and and uh, they're Connor and Harper's protectors. They're their angels, but um, that was really dark, but that lit a fire in Matt and night that we had to keep going, no matter what the cost to our sanity, to our marriage, to everything. We really need to sort of have this family that we were dreaming so much about and Matt at first he was a little bit um you know he's yeah I I wouldn't mind having kids if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't he was never really on board he was never really like yes I must have a child I really want a child it was me that was really steering that ship I really 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 want a child so um a testament to Matt's personal character and who he is he just did everything to make that dream come true like he did, he dropped everything, he saved everything. We did everything we could to invest um, like emotionally, financially and mentally into this into this project, if you will. Um, so then we had multiple uh, uh, times after that that we tried. We did frozen transfers and then fresh transfers again and then frozen again. And there were just all resulting in like, there was 11 week miscarriage, seven week miscarriage. Um, one was just not even viable from the get go. Um, so we were really struggling to try to get that same sort of first, how, how successful we were the first time we were really struggling to get success. So um, we just, I, I, like at that point in 2015, I said, you know what, I think I think it's time to call it quits. And I was really kind of just like, you know what? I just, I've, I've had enough. My body's had enough. I've gone through all of these shots and all of this stuff. Like maybe it was a a fluke with the twins and we just, we just need to look at adoption or something else. So I was going into the clinic with that conversation to be had and saying, you know what? I just, we, we tried our best. We just need to, you know, just say, Hey, we tried our best. And uh, our doctor said, no, you know what? I Let's do everything we can. Let's do one final shot. I know we can be successful. So in t- the beginning of 2016, we said, okay, last go. Let's have fun with this. This is the last time that we're going to even try and attempt this. So we did, we did. We actually set up different things. Like I set up things like Um, every time he did a shot, I would take a for a Like he, when he did like the shot in your stomach, when you do the, 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 um, hormone treatments, I would have a for a And then he started wanting one too. And I was just like, Whoa, you're not getting the shot. I'm the (laughs) one getting the shot. So roll it back here, Maddie. Um, but we would do that, um, on egg retrieval days. I would read a book. So I would start a book and I would, uh, read the book throughout all of my visits to the clinic and it would finish and then on the day of the egg retrieval you're pretty much out of it um so when I came to I would watch the movie so in 2016 it was Gone Girl so I had read the book and I had watched the movie and it was amazing like just having that I finished the book my egg retrieval's done and now I get this reward of uh triple o's I'd always have a triple o's hamburger uh, uh the sunny side sunny start and then I would watch my movie and it was just this, this ritual, this this system that we had in place because we had gone through it so many times this last one felt different. It really did um We were just we weren't we weren't so devastated that if the results didn't yield what we wanted them to do, we we were done with this journey this chapter and that closure there was some some peace with that closure saying this is the last time. Uh, and thankfully our little angels were watching because that was when we had Connor. And that's how we had Connor. And he was my lucky number seven. And uh, uh and and till this day, I will never forget the sound of his cry in the operating room. That was what I was waiting for, what I wanted for so long. It's such a beautiful sound. And it was just so like I was in such disbelief. I was in such, I look over at Maddie and I'm like, no, this can't be. And it was. he was here and it was just so brilliant it was so amazing i felt like i won a gold medal i felt like i was on a nike poster and i was holding up like simba and i was just like this is my lion king moment like this is this is this is what we worked so hard for we didn't know the gender we didn't we didn't find out i wanted i wanted nothing to know be known i wanted just like a complete surprise and while i was rooting for a girl I was really rooting for a girl. I was just so happy he was healthy. And um, the flocks of people that came into the hospital and all of the nurses knowing our story and all of the nurses like asking how many times have I been pregnant and then finding out that this was number seven. And then just like, just the support that everybody, the delivery room, the operating room, everybody was just so supportive. And again, you feel like you're wrapped in this blanket of this community and these people. That were just so happy and just so um it was a shared win for everybody um and that's what connor is to us like he's a shared victory for everybody in our family like everybody looks at him and we just think like this is what perseverance created this is what not giving up on this dream created and he's challenging he's six years old so he is challenging right now (laughs) but But we just keep on going back to, yes, this is, this was the dream and he made it come true. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Like the miracle, like the, oh, and I can't even, I can't even think like the love that was poured into him, like after your journey through all the highs and the lows of the treatments and your losses and, and all of it to then hear that cry and like be surrounded like you said enveloped with love from friends family strangers people who you know don't even know you that are taking care of you like the love that got poured into you and and your child like oh
1: yeah, it was amazing. The nurses, because every nobody knew what it was going to be, right? They didn't know what the gender was. So the nurses that were helping before and after the delivery, they were all coming in like, what did we have? What did we have? And like, they were so excited. And um, like, they were just coming in to check up on us all the time. Like it was a constant steady slew of visitors, but also all of the the nurses and the doctors and the in and the whole floor were coming in to see. And it was just, it was so lovely like I just I never felt so much care and attention like it was amazing it was so nice and it was just yeah there were there. oh it was a boy oh that's okay you know he's, so <laughs> he's really good because we know you wanted a girl I'm like yeah that's okay he's he's perfectly healthy and I'm very happy with him um yeah and uh like one funny story is uh my mother-in-law Matt's mom um she was so excited She too, like again, this kind of goes back to how much people were invested in the outcome. My mother-in-law and father-in-law were so invested in this set of grandchildren. Like they were so invested. Um, and they were so, so heartbroken when everything happened and all the losses. I went through all of the losses with them. And um they the when when we had Connor, Matt called both my parents and his parents. And my mother-in-law had bought everything pink and everything blue on the off chance of like not knowing which one it was going to be. And so when she comes into the hospital, like I just remember like just the glow on her and my father-in-law's face. Like it was just, they were beaming, just beaming. And she had all this stuff, these bags of blue, blue everything, right? And I'm just like, how did you know it's gonna be a boy? And Matt's dad says, nope, she, she prepared. She did some of everything just in case. Um, but like I said, it was a shared victory. Like my, my parents, my dad brought Timbits for the entire nursing and staff of the hospital. And he just was just like, who do I give this to? Like, this is pre COVID obviously. Right. So they were just like, who do I give this to? And they were just like, Oh, someone's excited. And I'm like, yeah, this has been a work in progress for how many years. Right. So, um, yeah, it was, it was so much fun, but those are just memories that I'll always take with me. I'll, I'll never forget my mother-in-law, and my father-in-law, just the glow that they had coming in and just the, the 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 trepidation that they had coming into the room. Is he sleeping? Is he okay? And just like that joy that everybody had. Um, it was just, it was so contagious. Everybody felt it. It was, I felt like I was the only person in the maternity ward with such love and just every, like, I felt like I was the only one that had a baby that day. And there was hundreds of them that had babies that day, but it was so special and so unique and it's something I would never trade for the world. Like it was oh. such an experience.
0: And so once you had Connor, mm-hmm. how do you think that your experience getting there? I mean, you said this is number seven,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like what that journey as hard as it was, what lessons or, or how did you show up differently being through everything? than you finally had him yeah um that's a really interesting
1: question uh i think that first year that i had with him i i bonded so much with him like i i felt things that i never knew i could feel before and you know it brought up some things both positively and negatively like one of the things that i really felt was i felt like I will never be loved the same way that I love my child, because my parents, culturally speaking, couldn't love me the same way because they just didn't know how their culture, their their upbringing just never really demonstrated how to love somebody or how to sort of cater your love to make somebody feel loved. And so like with Connor, I was just constantly speaking it to him, hugs and cuddles and kisses, Um, so much so that he would like face palm me to like get away from him. (laughs) But I just, I wanted to make sure that there was no doubt in his mind that I loved him unconditionally. And then I would look back and I would reflect upon my childhood and I never felt that. I never felt that I was loved unconditionally. I never felt that um, like, you know, my parents never say I love you and they never give you hugs and kisses and they're just not that kind of people. That's not to say they don't love me. That just means that they show it in very unique and different ways that don't really necessarily speak to me. um But it took me having Connor and making sure, like, even when I put him to bed at night, I always ask him the same question: How did I show you that I loved you today? Did you feel loved today? And um, sometimes he'll say, "Yeah." Well, oh, no, you didn't. I didn't feel you loved me because you didn't give me that chocolate. And you're just like, okay. <laughs> well, and then I'll kind of go into a spiel. Well, see, that's how much I love you is because I don't want you to get sick because you had too much sugar in today and blah, blah, blah. Um, but no, I, I think it really kind of made me, um, make sure that there was no doubt in my kids' minds that they were always unequivocally, unconditionally going to be loved by myself. Like they would never, ever, ever question that. Um, and that was something, and and that safety, going back to Jamie girl and feeling that safety in her mother's embrace, that's exactly what I wanted my kids to feel with me is that they were safe regardless of the situation or whatever it was going to be, that I will always be that safe haven for them. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's definitely something that, um, and I also wanted to know that Connor was born on purpose, that there was no accident. He was born because we tried really hard to have him and that was another thing that I felt coming from my background and whatnot, that I was just kind of a byproduct of like, okay, I needed to be had to have my brother. I really wanted to make sure that Connor did not feel that, that he was very
0: intentional. Mm. And you and then you talk about, too, because you have Harper, so you had your beautiful son. I mean, as hard as that journey was. Yeah, I love that you highlight, like if you persevere like it took a lot of perseverance to get there you could have so easily hung it up given up you tried so many times and then there was someone else that said no one more let's give it one more go so like thank goodness it was on the next you know the next go and for some people it, it could be and some people they could go the route through adoption or or other routes too but for you you did get to carry and deliver your son and now you have also a daughter.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was that was a very interesting transition. Like, so uh, Connor was a fresh cycle, fresh everything, right? And um, then we had two frozen embryos that we had tested. Um, and that was it. That was all we were going to have. That was the only opportunity that we were going to have after that point. Um, so we did pre-genetic diagnostic testing before we had transferred the embryos. These ones came back inconclusive. So Connor came back 100% to surety, his chromosomes were normal. These two came back as inconclusive, which means that we didn't know if we transferred them, whether they would stick or not. We didn't know whether or not um, chromosomally they were um, compatible or the chromosomally they were normal because if they were not normal, then the chances of miscarrying were pretty high. So uh, in 2019, we transferred one of those frozen cycles and that did not stick. So. Um, We don't know what happened with that one. We tried to see if we could figure out what happened or like, you know, if it was a chromosome situation, Um, but unfortunately that did not stick. And so that resulted in about a a nine week miscarriage at the time. So um, we did find out it was gonna be a boy. That was one thing that we were able to find out. Um, And so I was just like, oh, I'm disappointed. It would be nice for Connor to have a brother, but I said, okay, fine, that's fine. So then right before COVID hit, I said, let's try that last one. Let's just give it a whirl. Let's see. Um, So we did. uh, We transferred Harper. And as soon as that transfer took, I was so sick. So now we have COVID. (laughs) Everybody's working from home. But now I'm off for about four months because I'm getting IV treatments because I have uh, hypermesis. So there's uh, the hypermesis gravidarum. I'm probably not pronouncing it great, correctly, but uh, it's what everybody calls the Kate Middleton disease. So you're sick. You're you have extreme nausea. Um, and so I was getting my IV fluids uh, at Royal Columbia Hospital, which was the epicenter of the of COVID. <laughs> so that was pretty interesting. Um, so yeah, I was getting my my um, my. IV treatment there and get my fluids and everything and I was sick until 21 weeks um so and then after 21 weeks I felt fine I was great um and everything went to term and then uh yeah we we knew it was going to be a girl I really didn't want the surprise because I didn't want the disappointment. I didn't want to be like oh disappointed about what it was going to be At the time of the delivery, I wanted nothing to ruin the actual delivery. I wanted time to sit with whether it was going to be whatever gender was going to be. And also, I wanted to know whether I could pack away Connor's stuff or, you know, what I was going to do with it. So uh, we found out it was a girl. We told everybody, everybody was elated, but everybody was cautiously elated because we're just like, we don't don't want to jinx anything, right? Um, So when Harper was born, again, uh, it was such a different experience, because we had Connor now. So we kind of were like, you know, we were, we know what this whole process is like, we were high fiving our doctors, we were it was another C section. Um, we, we were playing music in the operating room, uh, Spice Girls. <laughs> which was so uh conveniently like just so it was so perfect. It was just it was um and my doctor is a uh, is a as is a lady as well. So she was just super excited. She's like you're going to get your curl. We're so excited. Um and it was uh it was so nice because it was so quiet in the in the hospital. There was no floods of people because you couldn't have these people in cuz covid and the restrictions and everything. So it was just me, Matt and Harper for two days and it was beautiful it was so nice and I just remember sitting with Matt and he's kind of dozing off and stuff and I'm just like we're complete like we're complete we're whole like this is this is our family like we she she really does complete us like Connor made me a mom but Harper really just rounds out this family so perfectly her little personality her sassiness like just just everything and it was really important for me to have a daughter because I want Wanted to do things right. I wanted her to know that she was loved because of her gender, not despite of it. I wanted her to know that like we loved everything about her from the beginning, that she was also very intentional, and that, you know, she she doesn't have to play in these cultural gender roles and these, she's there's no gender bias with her. There is none. There's none whatsoever. She's a, an individual first. She is her perfect little Harper self first. And, you know, we just, I just really wanted to do it right culturally and, you know, just everything. I wanted to make sure that we had a really good relationship.
0: Wow. So is that why you wanted, I know you, you said a few times about like your girl, you wanted your girl, you wanted your girl. Is that what it comes back to? You wanted to kind of like rewrite the script moving forward.
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I wanted her to feel like she was somebody like I wanted her to feel like, I know, there's so much emphasis that we put on girl power. And, you know, making sure our girls feel like they are confident and secure and just safe and all of those things. Um, I really wanted to do it right. I really wanted all of those things that I never got as a girl growing up in my culture, my community, my family, I wanted to just right
0: that wrong Mm, and now it is and I love how like coming back to your family you didn't have contact with them for many years and then Mm -hmm. you know that tragedy brought everybody together sometimes that does you know through tragedy can sometimes bring out beautiful blessings and reconnect and you know start something different moving forward so that now your family, I know you say your parents are old, like 75 years and older, but it's never too late to choose different, to think different, yeah. to invite a new perspective, to, like I said in the beginning, to forgive ourselves for you know our imperfections or our beliefs or what, what was instilled in us. Yeah. And and to heal that and to move forward. So now you have these two beautiful children and your family and you have reconnected and it gives them an opportunity to through you and like your perseverance and your your journey it gives them an opportunity to grow and evolve and love and do things differently too so
1: yeah it's like all full circle I'm I'm so proud of my parents like crowd doesn't even begin to explain how much they've grown um they're so different than the people that raised us and in such a positive way like they're they're so much more open-minded and there's just so much more um understanding and they're just they're so much more agreeable to like the fact that they might be wrong and for this age group for this, for how stubborn and stuck in their ways that they used to be. It just, it it is really a great example of how, like you said, you're never too old to grow and learn and change your perspective on things. And I hope that when I get to their age, that I am just as um, vulnerable and I am just as humble to say, yeah, I can use some growth in this area. I hope that, that, you know, and again, going back to like, I, I know I may have, said that things were a little bit challenging when we were kids and stuff and like knowing that gender disparity there. But when I look at it now, and I I think about all of the life lessons that my parents have taught me, I wouldn't change any of it. I wouldn't change a single thing of what they did. Um, They, they were great parents and I'm so blessed and lucky to have them. And um, yeah, we have these group chats, like, like in WhatsApp group chats, we have a, a family group chat, Um, with all of my cousins and like their, like three generations are in this group chat and it's just awesome to see this conversation just go (laughs) like, it's so crazy. And my dad's in there sending TikTok videos and like, you know, we're all just kind of in this little, this little bubble of our family. Um, and my mom's side of the family too. We just had dinner with, um, my, my cousin and his new wife. And, um, it was just, it's so great. The harmony, the balance, just everything that's coming together Um, in this new very positive way just based on their change of perspective it was all them like it wasn't me it was all them and the work that they did to change the way that they used to think so I'm very thankful and and because of this uh, because of this because of them we have this amazing family Um, Matt's side of the family included too like they've let's not forget all of, all of the (laughs) the folks on that side who have been there to pick up the pieces and to also, you know, be there to really, 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 um, be family. Like they're, they're a great family too. Um, you know, you know, Jeremy's and
0: everybody's family. It's amazing. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. And I love how we can be, I feel like there's sometimes people you never cross path with, pass with, you might never know, never meet, but because of family, there's so many like connections that you make with amazing people that can learn from you. You can learn from them to, to just love on and celebrate with the highs and the lows and all of it. So I love how we're connected through family and I loved hearing your story. It's just a story of perseverance and resilience and everything that you went through to, to be at this point. Now it's all so beautiful, taken all of the lessons and you just like glow. And now I want to touch on, so you have wrote a children's book and you are, so you're a children's book author. <laughs> and so I want to get into that. How did you end up Writing a book and publishing a book, and and what's coming next?
1: Yeah, so um, I wrote, yeah, I did. I wrote a book. It's called uh, My Super Big Brother,
0: and um,
1: it's it's a story. It was my maternity leave project. So I wrote this book um, when I was on maternity leave with Harper during COVID, and um, I really wanted something to capture this very fleeting moment of time with the two kids. Uh, Connor is her hero through and through. And he always wants to be her hero through and through. And it's so sweet. And I know that that dynamic is gonna change any minute now. Like I'm waiting for that to be like, ugh. Um, but I really want to capture this. So I wrote a little story for them and, and uh, we published this book. And um, it really, it really kind of made me remember all of the great things that my sisters have done for me. Like it was really kind of like, it's not just about a brother being a superhero, but my three sisters are my superheroes too like they're so amazing and they're still my superheroes when i think back on all of the things that they've helped me get through um but uh, uh my uh my super big brother was the first book and i do have another book called you don't eat the horn off the unicorn <laughs> and it's a, again a little cute little story about a little girl who's teething and she's um you know eating trying to eat the horn off of a unicorn and the, the older sibling says, no, the magic is in the, the unicorn's horn. And the reason why it's really funny is because this actually did happen. Connor lost his mind. Harper was teething. She had a unicorn that my sister bought for her and he started just losing it. And he was just like, no, there's magic in there. And I never thought about there being magic in the horn, like in the horn of the unicorn. And it, the story just kind of wrote itself, but it was really cute. Connor was just like, what, what do we do? <laughs> she's eating, he's eating all the magic out of the <laughs> unicorn. And he was so serious too. Like it was just like it was devastating for him. But um Harper's just drooling everywhere and <laughs> she's just what's going on. I don't understand why there's so much chaos about this. Um so yes I I really do enjoy writing the children's books. Uh, it's always been uh, a passion of mine to to tell stories as you know. Um, I love telling stories to all kids of all age groups. Um, so I've written quite a few. Uh, we're just kind of debating on when we're going to release the second one um, and then I'm also working on a novel. Um, yeah so I the novel's taking a little bit of time but uh, I want to get the some of these children's books uh done first before I get the novel really going the meat and you know all of that stuff but um yeah there's a there's a collective uh group of women that write for this book called the mom babes and um there it's a great series I highly recommend it I'm really hoping to be on their fourth edition um I missed the deadline for this particular one but I really want to be on the fourth edition so that's another one that I'm hoping to be a part of uh, that community in that that book series. Um, but otherwise that's what's on the horizon. I'm still working. I work for Richie Brothers as an analyst there and uh, it's a great gig. They have so much flexibility and they're just an amazing company. And I've been really able to um, have that work-life balance that we've all been trying to achieve for so many years, but COVID has been a true blessing for me. I've been able to work now full time from home. Um, I'm able to just keep up with all the things that I need to keep up with and I don't miss any of that valuable, precious time with my kids that I worked so hard to have. (laughs) So I feel like I'm more present with them Turn my phone off in the evening, unless it's to put music on to dance too. But otherwise we're just, it's everything that we worked really hard to have. We're just really soaking in the amazingness that is.
0: Wow. Like I love all of that. I know I have your book. My super big brother. I'm going to have to get the other one once that comes out and the novel, because like I said, in the intro, like I could listen to you tell story after story after story. And just recently when we connected at um, the celebration of life brought us together and you sat and told the stories to the kids, it's like (laughs) the kids who are so distracted on their phone, have an attention span of like nothing, like it's hard to capture their attention. It was like, they were all hanging on every single word, like listening to you tell stories like what, another one, like just wanting, like we could all listen to you tell story after story. So maybe you should start a podcast because we could like listen to all these stories over and over <laughs> again, even for kids, you could start like a podcast for kids that they like listen to these stories that you tell because you just like capture your audience. So I am so excited for what is yet to come. And I love that now that you, you, it was such a a journey to be blessed with your children that you're really, you know, I, I feel grateful in this way too, in the same way that it was such a journey for like my son that I really, really am intentional about enjoying it and loving it. And so I love how, you know, that's, such an important piece of family. And you're creating this like tight knit family that will always know that they're so, so, so important. And they take up the hugest piece of your heart, no matter how difficult it is. (laughs) Motherhood is a thing, but they'll always feel your love. So I, I love everything that you're doing and Thank you for sharing so openly and vulnerably your story. It's, I think it's going to land and hit so many people in so many different ways and have them really reflecting on life and maybe making some shifts in their own.
1: I hope so. I really do. I hope that we also um, remove the stigma around, like, uh, assisted fertility. Um, there's such, like, everybody, I, I understand the need for privacy. I totally do. I 100% get it. Um, But I think we need to remove the shame away from it altogether. There is no shame in assisted fertility. There's no shame in saying that like things came to a struggle to you, but I feel like there is so much attached to that. And I just, I really hope that people just start thinking differently in that regard, that there is no shame in saying that you needed help to create your family. Because again, when that miracle finally does happen, it'll be, your child will be so blessed that you put in so much work and effort to have them here.
0: Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like that opening up the conversation to, yeah, be a topic of conversation Mm. that people can, you know, because it is, it can be a lonely journey going through, you know, that loss and that grief and that all the highs and lows. So opening up the conversation and really diving into it and sharing probably would be very helpful in making people feel like they, they aren't alone and that it is, um, what you know, whatever way your child comes into your life, it is the truest blessing blessing, however it happens for you. and it all is, yeah, there should be no shame around any of it. it it's all just beautiful that they get to be wrapped around and loved by family. exactly. All right. well, I love you and thank you for being here today. and I love uh, you
1: too. So- thank you so much for having me. That was so much fun.
0: Yes, I loved it. I loved chatting with you and I loved hearing your story and finding out more about you too.
1: Yeah, Yeah, hopefully not too much. It (laughs) was all good. I'm an overshare,
0: so. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining me on today's episode of All Things Relatable. If you know someone that would relate to this episode and get value from it, please pass it along. Also, if this episode resonated with you, I would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe.